Preventing Demotion, Part 7. Today I want to talk to you about don't be discontent. Don't be discontent. Uh, And I'll tell you why we're talking about this in a second, but I want you to know that it's good for us to have goals and dreams in life. It's good for us to be praying for God to do things, and we want doors to open, and we want change to occur. But while we're praying for God to give us that new house, while we're believing for that promotion, while we're hoping for a door to open, we cannot live our life discontent during the process. When we're discontent, something is wrong on the inside of us. It's not our circumstances that cause that. It's a heart issue. When we're discontent, we're dishonoring God. And David, what I love about him is he understood the importance of living content but not complacent. There's a big difference. When you're complacent, you don't want change. When you're complacent, you want to stay right where you're at the rest of your life for the sake of peace or whatever the thing is. You're just scared to take any steps of faith. You don't want anything to change. That's complacency. Whenever we are content, it doesn't mean we don't want change. When we're content, it doesn't mean that we're settling for less than God's best. When we're content, it means we're not fighting. We're not always having to have something to make us happy. We're happy no matter what state we're in. When we're content, we're grateful. We're at peace. We understand that where we're at isn't where we're always going to be. Where we're at isn't where we're going to stay the rest of our life. But while we're waiting, we're okay. We're not fighting against God. We're not coming home complaining to our spouse. Why do we still live in this house? And I don't like my car and I want a different job. When we're content, we say, God, the season that you have me in right now, there's something important about it. Every season is vital to the next season. Our kids don't go from diapers to graduating college overnight and we we realize that but as adults we want that in our life the day God puts a dream in our heart we want it to happen tomorrow and we fight the season we're in and we complain because things aren't happening our way when it could be that you are exactly where God wants you to be right now Um, David started off in the shepherd's fields he was anointed to be king over Israel in other words he knew what God wanted to do in his future But he went back to the shepherds. He thought, man, this ain't right. You just told me I was going to be king, and now I'm back at that minimum wage job. But David knew the shepherds' fields, they're not going to last forever. They're not going to stay that way forever. So then David goes out there, and he defeats Goliath. And, man, he was a hero. People sang songs about him. That was great, but that didn't last forever. Now Saul's trying to kill him, and David's running from one cave to the next. Saul fondly apologized, so that didn't last forever. Then um, uh, Nabal called him names and wanted to fight with him, and David had to learn how to forgive an offense, but Nabal died, so that enemy didn't last forever. Then you got the battle of Ziglag, and David's depressed, and his men want to stone him, but that didn't last forever. Here's the point I'm trying to get you to see. Nothing in life lasts forever, good or bad. It seems like we're not going to be happy until this door opens or this comes our way or this occurs in our life. But that season's just a winter season. Winter always gives way to spring. Uh, the Bible says in um, Philippians 4.11, I have learned how to be content with whatever state I'm in. I can have little. I can have much. I can be well fed. I can be hungry. I can have hands full. I can have hands empty. David understood this. Even after Saul died, David could have thought, okay, finally I'm going to be king, and sure enough, Israel gets divided. But David said, you know, this isn't going to last forever either. Our attitude should be this. Our attitude should be, God, while I'm believing for change, while I'm hoping you're going to do things in my life, while I'm praying for this miracle to come to pass, I'm going to be happy and enjoy my life right where I'm at, the season that I'm in. 
uh, I've learned something the hard way, and that is that uh, complaining, living frustrated, begging God to do things, it never changes anything. In fact, the best way I can use my faith a lot of times is to remain stable in the middle of the storm. Uh, to say, God, you have me here for a reason, whether good or bad. See, we think a lot of times if things aren't going our way, then surely God doesn't want us to be in this place. I mean, if we're not getting our way, if we're uncomfortable, surely God doesn't want us to be here. But David could have said that very same thing. Surely God doesn't want me in the shepherd's fields because I'm not making as much money as my brothers are. Surely God doesn't want me to be running from King Saul because he's treating me bad, and I know God doesn't want anybody to treat me bad. You could be exactly where God wants you today, even if things aren't going your way. And that's what we got to be able to understand in life. Um, there's a story about Frank Lloyd Wright. It's a true story. He's a famous architect. I'm sure you've heard of him. Uh, when he was a young teenager, he was walking through a snowy field with his uncle. And uh, there was just white snow everywhere he looked. It was a property that his family owned. And as they started walking to a house, Frank veered off the path, and he went to the barn, and he played with the animals for a little bit. Then after that, he walked across the field to the, uh, the lake. It was frozen over, and he tried to throw some rocks in it to try to break the ice. After that, he went to this fort that he had built over in the wooded area and played on that for a few minutes. Then he finally went to the house. When he got to the house, his uncle was standing outside on the porch, and he said, Frank, I need to teach you a lesson today. He said, look back at the snowy field that we just walked through. My set of footprints came straight here. I didn't veer off the path. I got here much quicker than you did. He said, but Frank, look at your feet. You zigzagged all over the place, going to the barn, going to the pond, wasting time, and you got here much longer than I did. Frank told how that was one of the best lessons he ever learned in his life, only he took it the opposite way. He grew up with the mentality, I still got to where I was going, but I enjoyed the journey along the way. And in life, there's always going to be a balance between trying to make our dreams come true, be productive, do good at work, busy times, and taking time to smell the roses, enjoy the season that your children are in at this time. They're not going to be the age that they are right now forever. Not going to be that way. Your grandkids, they're not going to be that age forever. Enjoy the season God has you in, knowing that, you know, wherever we're at, God's trying to teach us something. Maybe God's trying to teach you how to relax. Maybe God's trying to teach you how to not be so stressed out. Maybe he's trying to teach you how to not be uh, 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 unproductive whenever things aren't going your way. Wherever season we're in, God has us there intentionally. It's intentional. It says in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, there's a time and a season for everything. There's a time to plant and a time to reap. Now, spiritual maturity is when we can enjoy the planting season just as much as we can enjoy the reaping season. Spiritual maturity is whenever we can have a good attitude, we're full of joy, we're being productive and fruitful, when winter's around and nothing's going our way and the doors aren't opening for us, and even in the summertime when everything's going our way. The enemy loves to lie to you and tell you that whatever problem you're facing now, it's going to last forever. He loves to tell you that, that you're going to be this way, you're going to be sick forever, you're never going to get out of debt, you're never going to have the right relationship. He, lo he loves to lie to you. When that happens, there's four words you've got to remember this too shall pass. Got to remember those words. Winter never lasts forever. You're never going to be, you know, if you think about it, all the people in your life that have irritated you or treated you wrong or the enemies you had, they, they, aren't, they aren't in your life forever. You got one enemy, they come and go, then another one comes and goes. 
You're getting all agitated, upset, disturbed over the enemy you're facing now. All it's doing is saying, God, it's like we're focusing on what we don't have rather than what God has blessed us with. Winter never lasts forever. You've got to learn how to be content uh, with your body. You know, every person in this room has 20 pounds to lose. Everybody here thinks, man, if I could just lose this weight here, just this weight. You've got to be content with where you're at right now in life. After you lose that 20 pounds, you're going to want to grow your hair out. After you grow your hair out, then you're going to want to do this and gain muscle. Everybody has something about their physical body they don't like. Don't go around complaining about it, thinking I'm not going to be happy until I get this weight off. I'm not going to be happy until I'm strong. I'm not going to be happy until my hair grows out. And especially don't say those things in front of your spouse. Don't be discontent with your body in front of you. Your spouse doesn't want to hear you say, I think I'm so fat. I don't like the way my hair is. I don't like this. I mean, if there's anybody that you want to think you're hot, if there's anybody that you want to be attracted to you, it's your spouse. You go around, I don't care if you got 20 pounds to lose, 40 pounds to lose, 60 pounds, you walk around naked in your own bedroom like you own the place. Like you're the hottest thing in the world. Don't ever complain about your body in front of your spouse. Here's another thing. Be content with your personality. Don't go through life thinking, I wish I was quicker like they are. They may be quick, but they're impatient. Well, I wish I was so peaceful like them. They may be peaceful, but they're lazy. I wish I was, I wish I was so detailed like them. They may be detailed, but they're very obnoxious too as well. Everybody has strengths. Everybody has weaknesses. For you to be discontent with your personality, I believe it's like spitting in the face of God and saying, you messed up. You didn't create me right. You didn't do a good job on me. we got to be content with our bodies. we got to be content with our personality. got to be content in our relationships. It says in, um, let's see what scripture I have for you next. Oh, okay, here's what I was thinking. You know, so many times in life we think when we're uncomfortable, we're not where God wants us to be. We, we, all, we subconsciously think that a lot. So I, wanted to prove, I want to show you a story I think you're going to remember the rest of your life, okay? In Luke 2, oh, I won't give you the script. No, wait, go back, go back. I'm not giving the script yet. So, Mary was pregnant with the Son of God, right? The mother of Jesus. And she's eight months pregnant. And at eight months pregnant, and this just, uh, just hit me the other day. Eight months pregnant, her husband asks her to ride a donkey all the way to Bethlehem. Now, they could have got a horse, they could have got a carriage, but a donkey. I want you to imagine with me for a minute where you think Dan would be at this time next week if he told Erica, hey, I know you're having the baby in a few weeks, the car broke down. The bicycle has a flat tire. There's no horse, no carriage, no buggy. So I need you to get on a donkey, and we're going to ride it all the way to Grand Strand Hospital. Dan would end up in the hospital, not because of that. He'd end up because of other things. Anyway, Mary, Mary didn't once complain. We have no record of Mary saying, Joseph, you knew I was going to have this baby. You knew it was going to be tough on me. The least you could have done is make it comfortable for me. The least you could have done was provide a smoother ride. Then they get to Bethlehem, and there's no room in any hotel. There's no hospital. Not once did Mary say, Joseph, why didn't you make reservations? Why didn't you call ahead of time? Do you know how painful this is going to be? We're in a manger with dirty, smelly animals. In Luke 2, 7, Mary wrapped Jesus in swaddling clothes, laid him in a trough because there was no room in the inn. Mary didn't say, Joseph, my beautiful baby. My new baby boy, I don't even have a blanket for him. i got to wrap him in strips of cloth and lay him in a trough where animals have been eating. Mary had to ride a donkey. She had to withstand a king that's trying to kill her baby. 
She didn't have a, a, any makeup to put on to make herself feel better in the hospital. She didn't have um, a, a latte from Starbucks when she got done pushing the baby out. She didn't have doctors to cut the umbilical cords. And not once did she ever complain. Not only that, not once did she ever find fault with her husband. Song of Solomon is a love chapter, love book, and it's between a husband and wife. And at one point, the wife says this in Song of Solomon 8.10, My lover knows that with him I find contentment and peace. If there's anywhere you should be content, it should be in your own home. Do not go to your house saying, Man, I can't stand this three-bedroom apartment. I wish we had a house like your brother does. Or, um, you know, my car just keeps, I can't stand this car. When are we going to be able to afford another car? Or this carpet, they got these stains in the carpet. Are we ever going to have hardwood floors in our house? The worst thing you can ever do is be discontent in your home. Especially, ladies, when you're saying these things to your husband. You may be just thinking that you're talking. You think, I'm just sharing what I want. I'm just saying that I'm believing for you know, hardwood floors. All your husband hears is failure, 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 failure. You might as well tattoo failure backwards on his forehead so when he looks in the mirror, he can read it every time he walks in the house. When you're always complaining about what you don't have, what you want to change, he's thinking, is what we've been provided for not good enough? I mean, don't you know how hard I've worked to get to where we're at? And discontentment, discontentment, discontentment. I heard somebody say this, there's a burden and there's a blessing for every season. Every season we're in, no matter whether it's winter or spring, there's always a burden and there's always a blessing. Our problem is we focus on the burden. Whenever you focus on the burden, discontentment will always rise up in you. Another phrase for your notes is this. We create internal ingratitude by resisting the season that God has us in. By resisting the place that God has us. Um, when in, in you know, that first scripture in Philippians 4.11 where Paul talks about, I've had a lot, I've had a little, you know, that kind of thing. In my life, I've been like that with Paul. My very first car was a brand new Mustang. When I was 15, I wasn't even 16 years old yet. 15, I'd already saved up over $6,000 at 15 years old, and I financed the other 10 to 12,000. Mustangs were like 18, 16,000 back then. And um, I, my first car was a brand new Mustang. Man, that thing was fast, that thing was nice. But there's been times in my life where I've had no money and I've had to drive a $100 pickup truck. I mean, the pickup truck, the windows didn't roll up in it. It was like a monster truck. You could hear me coming three miles away. My kids knew I was coming home because how loud that truck was. Uh, there's been times in my life where I've lived in a five-bedroom house that had a heated in-ground pool. And there's been times where I've lived in an apartment where I didn't have any money for, for shades. And to keep the sun out, I had to hang sheets up on the walls. There's been times... Um, with my kids where I've been able to take them to Disney World, you know, Disneyland and big vacations. But when my older kids were younger, I didn't have money like that. We didn't even have money to go to the arcade. So I would take my kids to the mall, and we would ride up and down the escalators. We'd do that for hours. I mean, up and down and up and down. We would race. We'd play hide-and-seek in the clothing department. We'd get kicked out of Dillard's, so we'd go to Belk. We'd ride up and down about. People looked at us like we're lost, like we're crazy. We were just having fun. We'd get kicked out of belt. We'd go to Sears, ride the escalator up and down, up and down. Here's the point. No matter what you have or don't have today, can't you just be happy and blessed where you are? Can't you just say, God, thank you for all the right things that have happened in my life. God, thank you for what you have blessed us with. Here's another point. Discontentment will follow you wherever you go. In other words, um, it, let's say that you trade in that Toyota for a Honda. If you're discontent with what you have now, you'll be discontent when you have that. 
Get yourself a Mercedes. You'll be discontent with that. Go from a two-bedroom apartment to a three-bedroom. You'll still be discontent. I'm not saying you're not believing for more. I'm not saying you're not hoping for more. I'm not saying you're not wanting more. I'm saying learn to be happy where you are right now. No matter what good things you do for Jesus, how much you serve, how much you give, it says in Matthew 5.45, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That means that that bad stuff happens to good people as well as bad people. Christians, non-Christians, we all have rain fall on us from time to time. You've got to learn how to be content spiritually as well. Um, It's very easy to get deceived into thinking God's not pleased with you because you have something you have to overcome. Uh, The truth is, once you overcome whatever you're battling now, there's going to be something else for you to overcome after that. Once you get through this addiction, there'll be another addiction. You'll You'll find yourself addicted to television, addicted to sugar, addicted to coffee, addicted to the news, something. I mean, there's always something to overcome. And uh, there's been times in my life where I've literally uh, just felt like the world's biggest failure. I, there's times where I read my Bible and I'm studying and I feel like God is literally sitting next to me just speaking to me. There's other times in my life where I'm studying. i got ten different books out. i got three translations of the Bible and I'm praying, I'm asking God, and, and I feel like God's gone on vacation. I feel like He's not even there anymore. All that is is a winter season. It's a time of preparation, a time to dig your heels in, a time to stay faithful, be fruitful, even whenever you don't feel like God's right next to you. It's just a time in life. It's just a different season. Uh, there's been times in my life where I've literally hated myself. I've despised where I'm at. Don't, I'm so frustrated with life. And I learned at one point that this is the only life I get on earth. I can't trade my body in for another guy's body that I think is you know, more handsome or stronger. I can't trade my personality in for somebody that's more peaceful and slower than I am. That, you know, people like those people a lot more than they like people like me. I can't trade my, my decisions in for somebody else's decisions. i got to learn how to live right where I'm at. i got to learn how to be grateful right where God has me. i got to learn to say, God, if I'm in the shepherd's field, if I'm running from Saul, if I'm fighting Nabal, if I'm fighting a giant... Wherever I'm at, I believe that I'm in the exact season that you want me to be in. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we continue to behold the Word of God. We have transformed and we finally made it. No, it says as we continue to behold the Word of God, we are constantly being transformed into His very image from one degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory. You're never going to arrive till you get to heaven. Learn to be content. Right where you are today. The last story I want to close with, it's a, a book, a, a turned into a movie, I think, by Mitch Albums called The Five People That You Meet in Heaven. It's an unbiblical story. It's fictional, but it still is very relevant for what we're talking about today. It's about this man who was in his late 60s, and he had worked practically his entire life at an amusement park. It's all he ever knew, all he ever did. His parents owned it. And as much as he didn't want to be there, and even though he had big dreams and goals in life, somehow, through different circumstances, he always found himself working back at that same amusement park. Like I said, he didn't like his job. He didn't like the life that he had had. He was very discontent, very unfulfilled. He never thought he was supposed to be there, and he dreaded going to work every single day. Could not stand having to wake up and go to that amusement park. Now, on the outside, you would have never known it. On the outside, he put a smile on his face. On the outside, he was kind to people. He was good to others. But on the inside, he hated every single day. He felt like a huge failure. Felt like his life never meant anything. One day, 
The amusement park was going, the rides were going, and this little girl with a long dress was on a ride. And somehow or another, her dress got caught in some gears. And you could hear the scream of the crowd just roar up through the whole amusement park. Well, this guy who worked there, he ran as quick as he could over to her. And miraculously, somehow he was able to get her dress uncaught. She wasn't harmed a bit. But in the process, this man lost his life. And he died that day. When he got to the outer gates of heaven, he was told he would meet five people to help him decide what his heaven was going to be like for all of eternity. Was he going to live in a mansion, be waited on hand and foot by servants? Was he going to spend all of eternity in the mountains, places to hike, beautiful scenery? Was he going to live down by the beach, walk along the shore every day, hear the crash of the waves as he falls asleep each night? The first man he met was a guy that he knew on earth back in one of the wars that he had fought in. They reminisced a little bit and talked about their time on earth. Then he met three other people. They talked and shared. Finally, the fifth person came walking up to him. It was the girl from the amusement park. Only she wasn't a little girl. She was an old, gray-haired woman. She ran up to him and grabbed his hand. She said, thank you so much. I don't know if you remember me or not. I'm the little girl that you saved at the amusement park back on earth. She said, because of you... I was able to go back to my family that night. I went to school. She said, in fact, I was one of the first women in my entire bloodline to graduate from college. Four-year degree. She said, I met a young man when I was in college. We got married. We had children. We grew old together. My children had children. I got to enjoy my grandkids for several years. I lived a happy, long, fulfilled life. I just want to thank you for what you did for me back on earth. After he heard that story, he took a step back. All of his life, he thought he was at the wrong place, the wrong job. He despised what he did. But when he heard that story, he realized he was actually the exact place where God wanted him to be. So for this man's heaven, for all of eternity... He chose to spend it back at the amusement park, the very place that he had dreaded all of his life. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says that godliness with contentment is great gain. I wonder if you decided to take a step back and look at your life, would you too realize you're the exact place where God wants you to be? You say, no, I've made mistakes, I'm going through this. Yeah, maybe God's wanting to show you something. Maybe He's wanting to teach you to spend more time with Him, to rely on... Who knows? Whatever it is, I believe that every one of you are exactly where God wants. Because if He wanted something different, I believe He could do it. But there's something He's trying to show you, something He's trying to teach you. When you're content, riding a donkey can't get you to complain. When you're content, lonely shepherd's fields won't cause you to give up. When you're content, you can have no money in the bank, ride up and down the escalator, and have sheets for curtains in your house. A mature person can be content when they're on the mountaintop or content when they're in the valley. Amen?